Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There is no such thing in the scripture of Christian spectators. A person who's just kind of sitting in the bleachers watching everybody else there on the field playing the game. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We got to get out of the bleachers and at least onto the bench on the field. And then the coach is going to call us into the game you know, at a certain point. But we have to understand that. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6 and 19 through 28, in a message titled, Gospel Mission, a Team Effort. Now, here's Pastor Brian. They were a ministry team, but another interesting thing about them is that they were business partners as well. They had a business. This is how they met Paul. They were tent makers by trade. But as we look at the the broader picture of them outside of the book of Acts for a moment, we know that they led a church in their home. So there was a church in their home. And at a certain point, Paul makes reference to the church in the home of these two, Priscilla and Aquila. And then what we see here in the text, of course, is their influence on Apollos. Apollos is the last person that we're going to look at, but he was tremendously influenced by this couple. Now, Apollos becomes a very significant voice in the early church, actually kind of seen right alongside of Paul and Peter, seen as as an apostolic person. But he started out with a zeal and somewhat of a knowledge, but his knowledge was not quite thorough enough. He he was lacking in something, and it was these two that identified that weakness, and they reached out to him and brought him into a more thorough knowledge and and helped him in his ministry. So it's it's really a beautiful picture of this married couple maybe a little bit older than Apollos. They're committed to the ministry and they look at him and say, man, we can help this guy. They saw the gifts in his life. We can help him and they did. Now, one of the things that I wanna point out about these two is this interesting fact. Now, in the King James or New King James Version, which are based on the same ancient text, these two are mentioned six times. In the NIV or the ESV or the other modern translations, which comes from a different ancient text, they're very very similar, but there there are some differences. They're mentioned seven times. So we're going to go with the seven references to them in the text. But here's my point. Out of the seven times they're mentioned... Five of those times, Priscilla's name precedes Aquila's name. So normally, you would read something like Aquila and Priscilla because the husband and the wife. But five out of the seven references have Priscilla first. Why is that? Well, we don't know. But (laughs) 
it seems to indicate something about Priscilla. It seems to indicate that she was quite a spiritual force and probably the more forceful personality. Aquila was probably more of a kind of a laid back type of a person, probably, you know, a, a little quieter. But somehow the, re the reference, like I said, five out of the seven times ends up putting her out in the front. And, and I understand that because um, <laughs> I'm married to a woman that's kind of like Priscilla. And, uh, and she's, you know, out there in the front and, you know, she's got that excitement and I'm kind of, you know, sometimes anyway, kind of a laid back uh, party there between the two of us. But, but what it also tells me is, you know, it, it just reminds us that God wants to use ladies just like he wants to use men. And God will use women to instruct. And here we see clearly that that's what happened. This wasn't like, hey, you know, Apollos needs help. Priscilla, you be quiet because you're a woman. And here, let me take care of this. It was like, no way, man, both of them. And Priscilla seems to take the lead here. Priscilla, in the, in the new text, her, her, name, uh, her name is put first. So, so she's kind of leading the charge here. And again, it just shows us that God uses teams of people and he uses husband and wife teams and they both have giftings and, and contributions to make in a number of areas, including discipleship. But that brings us to the person they disciple, Apollos. Now, again, Apollos is a person that we don't know anything about his history, except he was born in Alexandria. Now, Alexandria is part of Egypt. It was a city that was built in honor of Alexander the Great. And it, it, was a, it was a great Jewish center outside of Jerusalem. A large Jewish population. It was in Alexandria that the Greek text of the Old Testament was produced. So 200 years before the time of Christ, the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek comes down to us known as the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. It was made in Alexandria. And uh, Alexandria was also the home of a, of a famous philosopher, the most famous Jewish philosopher probably ever. His name was Philo. He was actually a contemporary of Jesus. He tried to merge Jewish Hebrew ideas with Greek ideas. He tried to blend the two together. Uh, but Alexandria was known as a place of Jewish culture, and uh, it was an intellectual center for Jew Jews. So like Athens was an intellectual center for the Gentiles, and Alexandria would have been that as well for some, but it was, it was kind of the intellectual center of Judaism at the time. So this is what we know about Apollos. He was born in Alexandria, so presumably he grew up there as well. But then we're told about him that he was eloquent and he was mighty in the scriptures. So Priscilla and Aquila, they're in Ephesus. As, as you look at the text here, Paul is gone. He was in Ephesus just briefly after Corinth. He stopped in, in Ephesus. He left Aquila and Priscilla there, and he went on to actually go up 
to Jerusalem to visit Jerusalem, and then he went uh, from there back on that same circuit, and he'll end up once again in Ephesus. So Paul's gone for probably a year. It's funny that Luke covers a, a year's period of time in a few verses, and unless you're looking really closely at what it says, you don't realize that that's what's happening, but, but he's covering at least a year span of time. And so it's during that time, Aquila and Priscilla are in Ephesus, and Apollos comes, and being a Jew, they, they of course, all would have gone into the synagogue, and so they would have heard Apollos there, and they realized two things about him. He was eloquent and he was mighty in the scriptures. Man, this guy can articulate the truth, and he knows the truth, but there was a deficiency. And what happened is they recognized that even though he was eloquent and mighty in the scriptures, that he didn't have the whole picture. He only had part of it. And uh, he knew he had experienced John's baptism. He knew about the way of the Lord Jesus, but apparently he didn't know the, the full story. Or probably he didn't really know all the implications of you know, the death and resurrection of, of Christ and so forth. We don't, we don't know what was lacking, but there was something that was noticeably lacking. They saw this, and being the, the pure-hearted Christ-centered people that they were, they looked at Apollos and said, man, we have got to help this guy because this guy could be a powerful force if he just got you know, a few things sorted out here. Uh, unlike some people who might listen to someone and find fault in their message and then dismiss them or you know, warn people, hey, don't you know, watch out for that guy. He, he's got some, some weird stuff there. They saw the deficiency and said, we, we've got to help him. They could see in him that uh, gifting. You know, there, there is a tendency a lot of times to, un unfortunately, uh, to write people off way too quickly or to dismiss them because they might not have everything exactly right. I was listening to a, a guy on a podcast yesterday. He's excellent. He himself was superb. But in the course of his message, he was referencing a number of different preachers and authors and so on. And it was funny as I was listening to him because he, he was quoting people that I know some, some of my friends would say, oh man, he quoted that guy, forget him. We, we're not even going to listen to him now because he quoted that guy. You know, that's really not the healthiest mentality. A, a better attitude is the one of these two here where they were not critical of Apollos. They appreciated his gifting, and they said, man, we, we've got to help him. So that's what they did. They took him, and the NIV says that they brought him into their home. So they basically, you know, imagine they're in the synagogue. They're listening to Apollos. They're thinking, wow, this guy is phenomenal, but he doesn't quite get the whole thing. Hey, Apollos, come over and have dinner with us. We want to talk to you about the Lord, and we want to share with you. And that's exactly what happened. So he went with them, and they instructed him. And one of the things that we see that's implied here with Apollos is that he was obviously a humble guy because he received the instruction. 
Now, not everybody can do that. You know, some people would just say, well, hey, you know, who are you to teach me? I mean, I don't need you to help me. I've got it all figured out on my own, or I will figure it out on my own. But Apollos is, evidently, he's a very teachable person. Now, Apollos is mentioned eight times outside of the book of Acts. Seven of those references are found in 1 Corinthians. And now here's the interesting thing about Apollos connected back to Paul. Because remember, all of these people are part of Paul's team. And this is something that we see that's important about Paul. Paul recognized Apollos as an equal. Now, the reason that's important is because it tells us that that Paul was a team player. You know, he wasn't threatened by other people's gifts. He was blessed by other people's gifts. Now, sadly, that's not always the case with people in leadership. There are some people in leadership who they just, they can't have anybody even near them that is, you know, similarly gifted because it's a threat to their ego. And that, that's a sad and tragic thing. Paul was not like that. As a matter of fact, Apollos, we know from the next few verses here, Apollos went from Ephesus to Corinth. And in Corinth, uh, Apollos really was embraced by the Corinthians as an equal with Paul. Now, Paul started the church in Corinth, but then Apollos comes after Paul leaves and he instructs them further. So he comes along and, and he teaches them. But, but Paul is not jealous of that. Paul is not threatened by that. Paul is thrilled that that was the case. Now, in writing to the Corinthians, what the Corinthians did, because they were upset at Paul, they tried to pit Paul and Apollos against one another. But Paul would not let that happen. But let, let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 3. Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, now this I say that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, who is Peter, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers? So notice, Paul includes Apollos right there with him. Ministers through whom you believed. And now listen to what he says. He says, I planted. He was the one who started the church there. He said, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So you see, Paul acknowledges that Apollos watered. I planted, Apollos watered. So in other words, what Paul is saying is that God used me to plant the church. God used Apollos to help the church grow and to move forward. So again, we see that there was no threat there. Paul embraced Apollos and basically said, man, thank you, Lord, for bringing this guy along and putting him on the team. Now, Back to uh, Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos just for a second. So what was it? Now, we don't know exactly what it was that they, they imparted to him. But it could be, now remember, he's eloquent and mighty in the scripture. So he's a guy who's very capable as a communicator. He's got a great mind. You know, he's one of those, probably a very intellectual person. And maybe what it was that he was lacking 
was that empowering of the spirit. And Priscilla and Aquila, they bring that dimension. They recognize, man, this guy has got so much, but he needs that, that power. And I was talking to a friend of mine after the first service who was here, just surprised me by being here today from San Diego. And uh, he pointed this out to me. He said, you know, what you see here is that we need more than just the intellect. We need the power of the spirit. Apollos is the intellectual guy, and that's fantastic. And my friend says, and of course, remember, I have a PhD, so I'm not down on the intellect. And uh, he said, but you know, we need more than that. We need more than the, the academics. We need more than just the education. We need more than just the intellectualism. We need the power of the spirit of God. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's so true. That is so absolutely right. We need the power of God above everything else. And Apollos uh, demonstrated that because as we see after the time with Priscilla and Aquila, we see then that he mightily, that's the terms that, that's used there, that he mightily, vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So where does that take us to? Well, it brings us again down to this. Paul recognized that God had given gifts to others that were needed if the gospel was going to advance. And Paul was always looking for people to join his team. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a one-man show with Paul. Now, we've just looked at five people. There are many other players that we haven't mentioned. Uh, let me just remind you of just a couple of other ones really quickly. Uh, one would be Luke. Luke is the, is the one who wrote Acts. And although Luke's name never appears in Acts, he's the author of Acts. There's a certain point where he's part of the whole journey in Acts. But he was a person, again, who Paul brought along and said, hey, come, you know, come and join. Be part of the team. And then there's a, a man named Titus. Now, some of you who are really familiar with your New Testament, you'll know that just like Paul wrote to Timothy, he also wrote to Titus. But an interesting fact is Titus never appears in the book of Acts. So that shows us, for one, that the book of Acts is obviously not a thorough explanation of, of everything that was going on in those days. Uh, because Titus, who obviously played a significant role, he's not even mentioned, but Paul writes to him. So 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus are commonly known as the pastoral epistles. They're, they're called that because... They're, they're written to guys who were, who were pastoring, and they're basically instruction about how to do that. So Titus is another person. And then there's a, a woman named Phoebe that Paul mentions who was a deacon in the church in Centria, which was there in the, uh, the area near, near Corinth. And uh, Paul talks about her as being a servant of that church and as being a, a co-worker with him. So Paul, like I said, he is a person who is looking for team members because he knows that in the end, it's not team Paul, it's team Jesus. And we need all the team players that we can get to complete the mission of advancing the gospel. And that is exactly the case 
today. So here's a question for you. Are you part of the team? Well, guess what? If you're a Christian, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, whether you know it or not, you are part of the team. And so your job is to discover what position you are are called to be in on the team. And God will show you that. And he will show sometimes, like he did with Timothy, he showed Timothy through prophetic words. People, People prophesied over him. Paul laid hands on him. Uh, God will show us that way. Sometimes uh, God will show us by just, you know, giving us an inclination and then opening up an opportunity. We go with that inclination. We step in and we find that, wow, this is, this is something that God has called me to do. But we as a church collectively, we are on that, that same mission that Paul was on. And that mission is to spread the gospel. And it's a team effort. And you are, if, the, if this is your church, you're, you're part of that team. So, so what has God gifted you to do? What has God called you to do? What area or areas of service does God have for you? Because listen, this is, uh, this is what we're all, all called to. You know, there, there is no such thing in the scripture of Christian spectators, You know, a person who's a spectator, a person who's just kind of sitting in the bleachers watching everybody else there on the field playing the game, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We got to get out of the bleachers and at least onto the bench on the field, and then the coach is going to call us into the game, you know, at a certain point. But we have to understand that. And I think, you know, sometimes we, we don't get that. We, we just think in terms of, well, I go to church. Great, but coming together is really primarily to be strengthened and equipped so we can take what God's given us and enter into the calling and be part of the advancement of Christ's kingdom. People being part of a team and using the gifts that God has given them to engage with the world around us and to impact people's lives. So that's what I'm talking about when I say we are on a mission as the Lord's church, and we've all got to be on board. We've all got to be part of the team. And like, like we pointed out, you've got Paul. He's kind of the key player. And, but then you've got all of these supporting cast people, and they're all vital to what's happening as well. And, you know, like I've already said as well, you know, some people uh, we, we will never hear of. Some people will never be heard of. But... Believe me, that when we finally arrive in heaven, we're going to find that, man, there were so many people that were doing things in obscurity, that were doing things out of the public eye that God called them to do, that were making such an impact on the kingdom that we will, we will be amazed. And perhaps, again, that's you, gifts, talents, resources, time. Those are the things that God wants to take and he wants to use to get the gospel out to the world. It's a team effort. And so let's join together as God's team at at this time and in this place for the furtherance of 
his kingdom so the gospel can be spread far and wide in our day. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace Why God is More Than You Expected and Everything You Need by Cheryl Broderson. The battle for grace is real. The battle rages on for men and women alike. And the stakes are high. Spiritual well-being, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and social well-being. Grace affects every area of your life. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares practical ways that men and women can draw on the available resources of God's grace. The book, A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.